Hello there. This is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening <laughs> to The Doctor's Watcher. The only podcast where I watch Doctor Who and tell you all about it. Well, hello there, Kyle. <laughs> and hello, Benny. How are you today? <laughs> I am not sure how long I can keep this up. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, I, just looking at my audio, um, you know, the the wavelength thing um, of the audio recording. Uh, it's probably a good idea if we stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. It's too much for our listeners and or my microphone. But yeah, I thought it might be fun to put a little... A little something extra on the intro. That was fun. <laughs> I hope it was fun for you too, listeners, and uh, our apologies. <laughs> <laughs> if not, then I guess that was a, a minute of your life down the drain. <laughs> uh, well, we appreciate you, listeners. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. <laughs> uh, Hopefully the next several minutes will be better than that one. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you know, we're, we're doing the uh, uh, French Revolution Reign of Terror uh, serial now, and um, it's kind of got me thinking what other uh, time eras we're, we're probably going to be doing at some point, um, because so far we've done cave people, we've done Marco Polo, and now we're doing French Revolution. Right, oh, and we did, we did Aztecs. Aztecs. Um, which makes me feel like we're probably at some point going to be doing ancient Egypt. Oh, that'd be um, fun. We probably have to wait a bit, you know, pyramids, uh, before, you know, before it's too close to the Aztecs. So you're going to have to, yeah, that's that one a little, little room to breathe. going to take a bit of budget too. Well, <laughs> um, and then we're probably going to do one in Rome. Yeah, Rome. that seems one like a Greece. Yeah, pretty solid. Uh, again, you can't you can't do those two. You can't do those two too close together because um, togas and stuff. Right. <laughs> and then we're probably going to want to do an English Civil War one at some point. Um, maybe William the Conqueror. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, um, I'd be into that. Let's see. Do you think uh, they'll ever do like? Jesus times, or I don't know how. Uh, I don't know. Actually, that's a really good question. I wonder if Doctor. I wonder if the Doctor has ever met Jesus. I feel like he must Man. have. I I feel I don't know. I don't know if the BBC would like <laughs> be brave enough to try that. But I feel like if not, then my gosh, can you imagine the fanfic? Uh, I'm sure there's some fanfic of it. Yeah. I mean, platonic or shippy. I think one. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then we'd have to do, let's see, like, you know, Queen Elizabeth is going to show up at some point, Shakespeare. Right. Um, I'm sure. I wonder if they'll do any, um, like, American Revolution. You know, I was thinking I mean, that, like, I wonder, being a British show. Yeah. Um, it is a British show, but, but, like, the American Revolution is somewhat relevant to them. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Uh, maybe that's the real reason that England lost. <laughs> Doctor Who was on our side. <laughs> I just assumed that he like bungled something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool, cool, cool. 
Oh, pirates. We'd have to do a pirate one. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward for that to that one. Well, should we get into episode 38? <laughs> yeah, or else I'm just going to keep like <laughs> naming various like historical eras. <laughs> Welcome to our new podcast where we name historical eras. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, don't leave. <laughs> we need you listeners. <laughs> um, cool. So, uh... Let's see. Um, should we do the Cliff Dangler from last time? Indeed. Um, Remind us. We're, we're, we're picking up the recording uh, same same day as the previous episode. So uh, I, I do remember that we had left. The, there was a French country house that our heroes had been in when some um, French revolutionaries came by gunned down the two um, fleeing Aristos that had also been in the house, um, arrested uh, Barbara, Ian, and Susan, and marched them off to Paris to meet Madame Guillotine. And uh, the doctor, meanwhile, was left upstairs where he had been knocked out by the Aristos. Um, He recovered his consciousness long enough to uh, notice that the house was on fire before passing out again, presumably from smoke inhalation. Um, Maybe there's hope because there was a farm urchin, which our listeners will recall is a subclass of urchin. Different from the usual variety who live in cities, the farm urchins can be found in rural locations. Right, it's kind of like how... Most dwarfs live in the mountains, but you do have like the subclass of beach dwarfs. <laughs> yes, um, with with apologies to Sir David Attenborough, um, and here we have the rare subclass of urchin known as the farm urchin, distinct from their uh, urban kindred. The farm urchin can be found in rural locations. My God, that doesn't sound anything (laughs) like anyone. You can see how the markings are similar, but not quite the same. For example, you can tell the difference because the more typical street urchin is covered in a black soot, whereas the farm urchin is covered in more of a brown dirt. The shit on them is virtually identical. (laughs) (laughs) So after the cliff dangler, we find ourselves in Paris. As the episode title, Guests of Madame Guillotine, appears on screen, we see the blade of a guillotine, and we see it fall, although... You know, due to the camera angle, we don't see the bottom, so we don't actually get to see the prisoner get their head chopped off. We don't see a decapitated body (laughs) on children's BBC programming. We do definitely hear a crowd cheer, though. Cool. And and after this, we cut to the conciergerie prison where Barbara, Susan, and Ian are being charged. The judge tells them that 
They were found in the company of wanted traders. Mm-hmm. So he's basically satisfied as to their guilt. And Ian's like, this, this seems familiar, actually. <laughs> I, think we, I think we did this one already. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, he's satisfied to their guilt. And the sentence is immediate execution. <laughs> well, we've got these guillotines that we're going to get money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently it turns out that in revolutionary French, the word immediate doesn't mean we're going to go execute you right now. It means we're going to put you in a cell until we can do some more paperwork. Um, you're, you're learning things, listeners. <laughs> educational moment. Yes, Doctor Who and the Doctor's Watcher are both educational shows, apparently. <laughs> Ian gets put into one cell, and Barbara and Susan get taken to a different area of the prison. The guard kind of insinuates to Barbara that, you know, he's got the keys and he might leave a few doors unlocked. And Barbara's like, But I couldn't pay you. I don't have any money. So he clarifies that the other guards all suck and he's looking for a friend. So Barbara slaps him. Oh, I, yeah, I was going one of two directions. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, this is a kid's show. Clearly this is a... Uh... A friendly guy. No, 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 this is going in the snows of terror direction. But but she sees it coming, so she just like slaps him across the face, and and you know they get locked up in their cell. Just as Susan is, you know, worried some more about her grandfather and hoping that he is safe, the camera cuts to him waking up coughing while Farm Urchin gives him drinks of water. Oh, okay. Good job, Farm Urchin. Yeah, turns out Farm Urchin saved him. It was entirely off screen. <laughs> <laughs> the, the house burned down between the filming of the last episode and this one. <laughs> uh-huh. A Farm Urchin's like, The soldiers set fire to the farmhouse. And then he's like, Wait, why am I telling you? Just listen to the previous episode of the podcast to find out what happened while you're unconscious. <laughs> so the doctor does, and then he gives it five stars on iTunes or wherever he rates his podcasts. <laughs> Thank you, doctor. And after he's all caught up, Farm Urchin invites him back to the farm. But the doctor's like, nah, I got to go save my friends, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got places to be. And yeah. also, like... Uh... It's nice of him. Right, nice yeah. Nice of him to, to go try to save his friends. My friend is that I was going to kick off my ship like 20 minutes ago. Yeah, but... <laughs> I guess it's been a minutes. few hours by now. <laughs> so, Farmerge, Farm Urchin, actually... No, his name is now Farmerge. <laughs> so, yeah, Farmerge here wants to come with him. <laughs> But he can't, because apparently his father is gone, so it's up to him to take care of his mother. Oh, good kid, good kid. Before the doctor heads off, he asks him what his name is, which is Jean-Pierre. So, doctor says... I should remember, yes, Jean-Pierre. Au revoir! 
Huh. And he strolls off toward Paris. I wonder if there's a famous captain named Jean-Pierre after this era. Yeah, I have no idea. That'd be interesting. I do have to say that Stanley Myers, who wrote the music for this serial, did a pretty great job with the Doctor's walking music here. I'm sure I'll drop in a selection, and Benny might or might not cut this line where I say that I'll drop in a selection. Wow, that sounded great. What what great music. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) In the prison, Susan is really getting down. She thinks that things are hopeless and that they're basically just going to be stuck in prison until they die. Well, I think she uh, has reason to believe that. Yeah, you know, given that. They have been sentenced with immediate execution. They're just waiting on the paperwork. Mm -hmm. Barbara points out that they've been in shitty situations before and they haven't died yet. But Also true. uh Uh-huh. Susan's like, Oh, we've been lucky. You can't go on being lucky. Things catch up with you. When you're the protagonist of a TV show. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I kind of thought she had a point, though. Like, they have gotten out of a lot of things purely due to luck. Of course, not like everything, though. Barbara says that they make their own opportunities, which is true, in some cases at least. Mm -hmm. So Barbara starts, you know, investigating their cell. She rolls an investigation check and finds a damp patch on the wall and... She speculates that, like, maybe there's a sewer leading to the river. The the mouse cursor, the arrow, turns into a little pointy finger when I move it over this patch of wall. Right. And when I click, it says, damp patch of wall. <laughs> She's like, haven't you seen Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> so she pries a piece of the bed frame off to try to, like, lever a stone out of the wall. Barbara... Person of action. Yes, and person of innovation. Indeed. Meanwhile, in Ian's cell, he has a roommate. And his roommate is not doing very well. He has apparently lost a lot of blood. Mm. Ian is like, dude, Webster, we can probably escape this prison. It kind of sucks here. And Webster is like, dude... I think you know I'm going to die here. Dang, Webster. You will with that attitude. But it turns out that Webster has a plot hook that he needs to pass along to Ian before he dies. Webster basically tells Ian that after France gets all its shit sorted out with regards to revolution, it's going to turn its attention back across the channel and start thinking about attacking England. Hmm. So Webster, you know, he recognizes that Ian is British. So he needs Ian to find 
a British spy named James Sterling and basically tell him to get his ass back to England with all of his important information. And suddenly a little uh, notification pops up on the side of Ian's screen. New quest. Yep, Ian accepts the quest and Webster unlocks a new location node on Ian's map before he dies. Nice. Back out on the road to Paris, the DM rolls a D100 and looks up the result on the random encounter table, and the doctor comes across a work gang. Oh, I was hoping for an owlbear. (laughs) No, I think that was if you roll a 75, but this was 74. Oh, man. So close. The doctor confirms with the overseer of the work gang that he's still on the correct road to Paris. And he sits down to chat with him for a minute. And he learns that apparently the workers here are tax dodgers being put to work. Doctors like the guillotine. Yeah. Yeah. The doctor's like, and the overseer's just like, lol. (laughs) Uh huh. Apparently, he's got a pretty strict schedule to finish the work. So, you know, he's complaining to the doctor about how he really has to, like, work their asses off. And, you know, it's so difficult, like, you know, making them work all day long, etc., etc. And the doctor decides to offer him some advice. The overseer's like, Well, I'll listen to anything that'll get this job finished quickly. Mm. (laughs) The doctor says... Well, if you were to expend your energy helping with the road instead of bawling and shouting at them every few seconds, you might be able to get somewhere. Good day to you, sir. Wow. Wow. I 100% expected the doctor to, like, give him some advice on how to, like, threaten or yell at them or something. But good job, doctor. Yeah, this might be the first time of the doctor calling somebody else out for being an asshole. (laughs) Yep. Good job. So the doctor gets up to head off, but before he can leave, the overseer's like, I suppose you think you're very clever. And the doctor says, Well, without any undue modesty, yes. Now, would you mind standing aside? Nice. (laughs) Yeah, I thought that was pretty great. Good old doctor. (laughs) (laughs) The overseer of the work gang demands to see the doctor's identity papers. And the doctor's like, well, shit, psychic paper hasn't been invented yet. (laughs) So the overseer puts the doctor to work on the road. Okay. He basically, like, you know, hands the doctor a pickaxe, tells him to get working, and, like, shows him his gun. Well, to be fair, the doctor hasn't paid any, you know, 18th century French taxes in his entire life. Yep. So I guess technically he's a tax dodger, too. (laughs) Also, the doctor's like, you know, this would go a little faster if you had one more person working on it. You, know, <laughs> you. Uh-huh. The, the guy's like, you know, it would go faster if I had one more person working on it. Here, have a pickaxe. I think one more person would make just the difference. Mm-hmm. Hi, Kyle here. Thanks for listening to The Doctor's Watcher. 
If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean a lot to us if you would leave a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. But aside from that, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel welcome to drop us a line by emailing thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at doctorwatcher. Thanks for listening. Back to the show. Barbara is also hard at work. She is, you know, chipping away at the mortar between the stones in the cell wall that she and Susan are in. Cool. They have been making pretty good progress, but they're not through the wall yet. They have to hide their work with their blankets when the jailer shows up with their food. I wish to be asked me. I assume that was the jailer. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I guess because they're going to be executed, so why should we bother feeding them? Jerk. He asks why their blankets are, like, over there on the floor, and he's about to go pick them up when he gets called away, and Barbara and Susan both breathe a sigh of relief. That would have been a good opportunity for a bluff check. You could have been like, oh, they're full of lice, or, uh-huh. oh... I think the last person here had the plague (laughs) and uh, roll that deception check. No, they're basically just caught kind of off guard and don't really know what to say. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not saying that any of my attempts would have been plausible at all, (laughs) but it's all in the dice. So apparently the reason that he was called away is because Ian's dead roommate has been discovered. <laughs> Bummer. Uh-huh. Yeah, Ian is He's like I swear he was like that. You know, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't do anything. Uh-huh. There's this government official there named Lemaitre, and Ian is speaking with Lemaitre and like tells him that the dead guy, like Definitely didn't say anything before he died. Hmm, interesting. I mean, obviously he would say that, but... Lemaitre <laughs> <laughs> goes and checks with the jailer, who says that he actually did hear the two of them talking briefly, but the jailer wasn't able to hear what was said. Just that cool. they were talking. Good. So, Lemaitre asks the jailer for Ian's name, and then he gets the list of upcoming executions, and he crosses Ian's name off of it. Mm. And he writes it higher on the list. (laughs) Over in Barbara and Susan's cell, they have finished their meal. They have a little bit of dialogue about, like, You know, Barbara hadn't realized how hungry she had gotten. Susan's clearly very unimpressed with the meal. She kind of, like, holds up, you know, a half-eaten, like, drumstick and kind of looks at it and drops it back into her bowl. Mm. But, you know, they've, they've had some food. They've got some of their strength back. And Susan goes to resume the digging work. But she screams when she discovers that there are rats down at the hole. Poor, poor Carol Ann Ford. Yeah. Gotta gotta scream every cereal. 
hit this scream quota. And, you know, unlike if it were you in this position, Benny, it is not a scream of joy that Susan gives. <laughs> Baby! <laughs> for, yeah, for some unknown reason, Susan apparently doesn't like rats. Well, I, I think if you're in a, uh, a jail next to a sewer, um, <laughs> I think I, I might be less enthused about them, too. Yeah, that's fair. So she is pretty clearly upset, and she tells Barbara that she can't do it anymore. Not, you know, not with those there, basically. So Barbara just kind of, like, shoves their blankets into the hole that they were digging, saying... They won't come in. Not now. We won't do any more digging. We'll just stay where we are. Oh, Bummer. Yeah, I thought that was kind of. I yeah, I'm not. wasn't quite sure what to think of that because, you know, I, I appreciate that she's trying to like, you know, make things as nice for Susan as she can and whatever. Mm. But she's basically just saying like, well, okay, guess we'll just die then. Yeah, I I blame the writers for this one, not the characters. Yeah. So out on the road, doctors, you know, hard at work with all the other tax dodgers. And he's kind of like made friends with a few of them. And they're all like ripping on the overseer together for how much time he spends counting the coins in his coin purse. (laughs) Oh, man, that overseer, you know what I'm saying? Always counting those coins they got all the memes. <laughs> I, mean, I was thinking, like, if you're on a forced labor gang, mm-hmm. what better way to, like, bond with your fellow forced laborers than to, like, rip on the fucking rich dude who's in charge of you all? Mm-hmm. So the doctor asks one of the workers if they want to leave. And the worker, of course, is like, well, yes, but how? He never goes anywhere without that pistol, and he never turns his back. Doctor well, says... Do as I say. Follow me. And then he says... go on that side of him, and I'll go on this side of him, and then <laughs> have his back turned to one of us. Uh-huh. He can only shoot one of us. Actually, yeah, that's, that's always a good strategy. If a person's got a one-shot gun and there's a bunch of you... Right. We then, can... Uh, I'm sure it's not that bad of, like... One of us dies, right? <laughs> Doctor's like, I'll just hang out in the back of the group while we uh-huh. all rush him. And when I say we all, I mean you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so he starts whispering a plan to this other worker. And a few moments later, the the workers all start pointing up in the sky saying things like, oh, ha, ha, there it is, and, you know, that sort of thing. And, of course, the overseer is like, uh, WTF. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says, They're waiting for the eclipse book. Uh, yes, you've heard about it, I'm sure. Interesting how they're bringing that back. Uh-huh. The overseer is like, uh, yeah, of course I have. I'm not a dipshit. But he adds, We'll see it when it happens. Until then, get back to work. Now! 
The DM asks the doctor to roll sleight of hand with advantage. Nice. And the doctor rolls a nat 20. And so he's easily able to steal a few coins from the overseer's purse while the overseer is distracted by all the eclipse talk. Nice. So the dialogue ends. Overseer tells them all to get back to work. We'll see the eclipse when it happens. And he goes back over to like the stump that he's been sitting on. The doctor takes one of the coins that he stole from the overseer and he puts it in the dirt and he buries it under just a pretty small amount of dirt. And then he puts the other coin that he stole on top of the dirt and, like, pretends to find it. Ah! Look at it! Look at the coin! I think I know where this is going. Uh-huh. So the overseer, of course, comes over to see, you know, what the fuck's going on now. I thought I told you guys to get back to work. They all show him, like, we found this coin here. And the overseer's like, uh, probably just, like, a traveler dropped it. But Doctor's like, no, probably it's a hidden treasure. (laughs) So the overseer grabs a pick and he starts digging a little bit. And of course, he finds the second coin that the doctor had hid under in the dirt. Nice. That's a pretty cool, pretty cool idea. Uh Uh-huh. I think overall this has been, yeah, quite, quite clever. Yeah, I thought so too. So, you know, he tells everybody else to like get back he's gonna do the digging because of course he wants to like dig up all the treasure and it will all be his Mm -hmm. so the overseer leans down to start digging the doctor picks up a shovel and whacks him in the back of the head with it nice doctor person of action Uh uh-huh the rest of the workers are all like whoa shit dude and they all run away you know, working is is over now. Nice. And I guess this means the doctor gets to loot the body without having to share any of the loot. <laughs> the doctor checks the overseer out and like... I think you mean he loots the body? Somehow he's not dead. I wasn't really clear on how he survived. <laughs> but he's actually yeah, like... I feel like in movies and TV, like... <laughs> Uh, hitting the head with a blunt object usually just either knocks someone down or at best knocks them out. Yeah. In real life, please don't try this at home, people. <laughs> so the overseer's like on the ground, unconscious and snoring. And the doctor puts a coin on his eye, saying, Good day to you, sir. Pleasant dreams. And he strolls off down the road. Like a badass. <laughs> I would have taken that pistol, though. Yeah, that probably would have been a good idea. Maybe the rest of his coins, too. Yeah, the coin purse. We get about, like, a full minute of airtime of the doctor just strolling down the road with... Yeah, sometimes I'm glad that uh, (laughs) we're we're getting this through through Kyle instead of Uh having to actually watch the show. There is the great walking music playing. Now we're just going to have a minute of walking music while we <laughs> uh-huh. sit here in silence. The doctor, like, pauses to take a rest. He sits on a sign that says Paris five kilometers. 
He, you know, pulls out his handkerchief and wipes the sweat off of his brow, continues strolling on down the road. Maybe we'll cut this bit from the pod because, like, nothing actually happens here. No, I just <laughs> have to suffer. But we eventually cut away from the doctor's pleasant stroll to Paris, and we cut back to the conciergerie prison where Barbara and Susan are removed from their cell and made to stand in line. Mm, that's never good. Uh-huh. Susan asks where Ian is, and the jailer says, Was that your friend? He was lucky. Let me actually crossed him off the list. You are not so fortunate. Dispatch for the guillotine. Take them away. Bum, bum, bum. And they are marched on out. Ian is looking through his cell window, and he actually sees them get marched away. And he looks on in horror as the titles Next Episode, A Change of Identity, appear on screen. Well, at least that bodes well for our heroes. <laughs> and I feel like if they were going to get guillotined, it probably would have been in the episode called The Guests of Madame Guillotine. Yeah, that seems likely. It's kind of like they say that when you're watching TV, if something bad happens before the commercial break, then um, that's as bad as it's going to get. And if something bad is about to happen before the commercial break, then it's not going to happen because something will prevent it once you're back from commercials. That makes sense, yeah. I guess this would be the more of the latter case. Yeah. 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 Something bad's about to happen as the episode ends. Well, cool. All right. Um, yeah. I, every time I always complain about the historical ones not being as much fun as the, uh, the sci-fi ones. Um, but yeah, this is, this is pretty cool so far. Yeah. I feel like the historical ones have a little bit of a reputation of being kind of boring and lame, but yeah, like based on the ones we've seen so far, I'm not sure if that reputation is deserved. I mean, to be fair, uh, I think we're all here for the um, goofy looking aliens and the strange sci-fi sets and seeing how far they can stretch. their not very impressive budget, but um, yeah, they, they, they give us, Pretty pretty good stories and and uh, compelling twists and characters and stuff. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see how we'll see where this goes. I mean, if you're going to be in uh, in France, you might as well be in France, about to be guillotined during the uh, Reign of Terror. Am I right? Right, totally. You know, it's a little bit unclear at this point whether the Doctor knows that they're in the Reign of Terror yet. <laughs> so yeah, well, yeah. he is having a nice stroll down, down the road <laughs> I mean he's gonna love it when he finds out you know Susan says he loves the reign of terror but mm-hmm. but I don't know if he actually knows they're there yet so that'll be interesting 
I mean, whether he would pick up his pace to save his friends or whether he'd pick up his pace <laughs> because he's excited to go see all the terror, uh-huh. I don't know. But I assume if he knew, he would be moving a little faster. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. There's one thing I probably should have mentioned in the previous episode, but I didn't think, I didn't remember until just now, which is that I know that at least a few of our fans have been watching along with us, uh, or with me rather, on BritBox, and this particular serial is actually not available on BritBox. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I I know a couple of the episodes are missing. We haven't gotten to those yet, obviously, but like two episodes of the serial are missing, so I'm assuming that's why BritBox has not included it. BritBox is just like, what, some of them are missing? Well, you can't watch any of them. <laughs> uh-huh. So, yeah, there... Which, is, which sucks. I will say there are other ways to watch it. There was a DVD produced, I think, a few years ago that actually includes some, like, officially commissioned animated reconstructions of the two missing episodes, as well oh. as, like, you know, all of the non-missing ones are just the actual episodes. So, yeah, there is... That's one possible way to watch it. And then I will also say that the Doctor's Watcher does not condone illegal activities, but there may be other Wink. ways to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Yeah, I think I think this one's been pretty solid so far. And uh, I, I'm... Curious to see what happens next. And I am as well. I actually have not watched the next episodes yet, so... Ah, cool, cool. Other than when I did my blog several years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i always surprised. You know, I went back and, and looked at that blog again. You made it, like, pretty far into the, uh, the early Doctor Who stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a bit before we get to an episode that I have literally never seen before. But yeah. I am looking forward to those days. That that will be like the majority of the podcast. It's just going to take us a while to get to that. <laughs> the majority of the podcast? You mean uh, assuming that we're going to do every episode of Doctor Who ever? Well, of course I assume that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. All right. Um, Trying to remember what else. If, if there's anything else I was going to talk about. Um, other than to say, yeah, what a shame it is that that scene where, where Susan was like, oh no, rats. And then Barbara's like, well, I guess we can't escape then. Uh-huh. Guess we're just going to die then. Like they're halfway through their escape attempt. It was a good one. It was cool. I was glad they were doing something about it. And then it's like, oh no, I'm a girl and therefore scared of rats. And it's like, well, since you're a girl and scared of rats, I can't keep doing my escape attempt. Right. Yeah. Guess I'll die. Being scared of something is definitely like the highest priority here. Yeah. Boo. Yeah. All right. Well, other than that, um, yeah, I'm still curious to see what happens next. And, uh, what our uh, change of identity is going to be. Yeah, come back in two weeks to find out whose identity changes, I guess. Yep. All right. Bye. Bye. 
Hi, Benny here. The Doctor's Watcher would like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he created for us. You can find his music, including our theme, at soundcloud.com slash circuit23. And you can reach him at circuit.23, that's circuit.23, at gmail.com. Thanks to Kyle for talking to me about Doctor Who, and thanks to all of you for listening to me, listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or on Twitter at drwatcher. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you review your podcasts. Join us next time on The Doctor's Watcher.